0: Welcome to the Canucks post post game show post the two nothing loss for the Canucks in Philadelphia at the hands of the Flyers first loss of the season. We're going to keep getting into it uh, following Satyar Shah and Nazar, wrapping it up for you as well. You also just heard from Ian McIntyre. It is myself, Josh Elliott Wolf and producer Ben Bassaron here with me as well and we will take your text 650 650. Dunbar Lumber text line, Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or our Butis in Vancouver online at dunbarlumber.com. You can also uh, call in 604 280 0650. We will continue to take your calls. If you want to tell us that we are overreacting to one game, or that we overreacted to two games and that this game is a real representation of the Canucks, you can do that. 604-280-0650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintak.net. Uh, I did kind of want to start there. Um... We will get into the five W's, which is who, what, when, where, why maybe at eight or eight 30, just all Canucks based tonight. But I wanted to start with one of them is who are the real Canucks. And I think you look at tonight's game and Ben will bring in for this as well. You look at tonight's game. And I think a lot of people look at last season and they're like, well, they're back. This is them. This is the real Canucks. Uh-oh. And you kinda you could probably point to Saturday's game as well and and have a bit of panic and when you when you look at these two back to back. I think Saturday's completely different though, because A, you had you gave the Oilers seven power plays. That was just generally you're gonna be on your heels a lot if you're giving a team that many power plays. And hey, maybe you want to make the argument that they like they took the penalties, they put themselves in that position. But I just think it's hard to say that the Canucks didn't have at least a bit of a bounce back in their game or, like, a spine in their game on Saturday that they didn't have today in Philly. And that's why I think they're a little bit different. But who are the real Canucks? Like, Ben, do you think this is a better representation of what this team is this year? Or is it something that we haven't seen yet? I don't
1: think we've seen it, actually. Like, I don't think the Canucks are the 8-1 team. Mm-hmm. I don't think everyone knew that. Yeah. But I don't think they're a 2 nothing team losing to Philadelphia, who's not, you know, if, if you take a holistic approach to this, is is not a great hockey team on paper. They are pretty bad. A phrase I heard the entire day on this station was, this could be a trap game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it kind of turned out to be, but it wasn't a th- third game in four nights on the road. There was plenty of rest leading up to this. This is the beginning of the season, but the Canucks now have been faced with a couple of home openers with that comes some extra energy in the building and i don't think we can point to one game and be like this is what we're going to see for the rest of the year mm-hmm. but understandably from a fans perspective this is the type of game that fans became accustomed to seeing for the entirety of of last year especially before talk it came and for parts of the season before. So it's frightening for people to see this just because it reminds them of some of the darker times in the last couple of years in games just like this where Demko stands on his head and they still lose the game. Yeah, 650-650. Get your texts in on what
0: you think the real Canucks are this year if you think tonight is who they are, or if, to Ben's point, we haven't seen them yet. I, I tend to agree with you, Ben, that it's... You look at tonight's game and it's just like, I refuse to believe that, and I guess like we've seen it in the past, so maybe I shouldn't refuse to believe it. But I refuse to believe that this team can be this bad again. You know what I mean? And, and but why?
1: Just they they've re- they com- they've they they made re- s- re- repeatedly show you over and over again mm-hmm. that there will be moments like this, multiple moments in games like this throughout a season. Where they go into the game, I, I look. I think about the Detroit game last year at home. Detroit's not a fantastic team, especially yeah. last year. They lost six nothing, six one. It's games like that where you walk away being like, "How did that happen? Yeah. How did how does tonight happen?"
0: I guess what I'm saying is, I refuse to believe they're this bad in terms of like they're not going to have games like this as often this year. And if they do, like trade everybody because obviously this just isn't working. And I. I kind of wanted to touch on one of Rick Tockett's quotes tonight as well, which was, um let me get the correct wording here. It's, who are we to think we're anybody? And I feel like the last three coaches, Tockett, Boudreaux, Green, have kind of had the same sentiment about this team. It's like three of these coaches have had issues with how this team carries itself. And it kind of feels like they came into tonight being like, hey, we just beat this team team that was supposed to win the division or be second in the in the division be at least a top three western Conference team you beat them twice in a row you're great you're you're living you're living it up you're riding the high and then you look at the schedule and you you see that you're gonna play a weak Philly team you're gonna have a lot of rest hey like you're gonna be in a good spot you should win this game and they didn't they they came out super super flat to Ben's point hey you were playing in a home opener you did it on Saturday in Edmonton as well. I think you can have that excuse for the first 10 minutes, maybe the first period of like, hey, the Flyers are riding high at the moment. You just got to weather the storm. But when you come out the second period and that's like arguably worse than the first period, even though you gave up no goals, that is inexcusable in my eyes. Um, And it's just, it feels like this team thinks they are better than they are. And we haven't seen any evidence of that aside from short spurts where they do show that they have the potential to be better than they've shown. And then they get into a position where it's like, hey, they can go on a run. We saw it in the year where Boudreaux came in. It's like, hey, they can win a game, maybe go to the playoffs. And then they kind of crumble under the pressure. I don't think there was a lot of pressure on tonight's game. But there's just a certain attitude, I think, that this team gets sometimes that it hasn't earned. And that's kind of what's reflected in Rick Tocket's comment there is like, who are we to think we're anybody? And the Canucks, to this point, obviously this year it's we're very short into it, but they need to think they're the underdog every single night and go out there with a chip on their shoulder because they haven't proven otherwise in the last two and a half, three, four years. You can stretch it to a decade as well. Like, they need to earn their respect, and they haven't.
1: Totally, and I don't think that they, I think they believe that they can be the team that can win every single night, and I think that's the very interesting part of this hockey club, in, in, in my opinion, is just I don't see a game on the schedule that I don't think they can win, but I also don't see a game on the schedule I don't think they can lose. Exactly. That And that's very difficult, and... How are you supposed to compartmentalize that as a player? Obviously, you go into every game believing you're going to be successful and wanting yourself to be successful. But if if from an outside perspective we're looking at this and saying anything could happen tonight, it's hard to actually know which team's going to show up any given night. And if you want this team to be a playoff team and if you want as a player to get into the postseason – then you have to win games like tonight. You have to win the games you're supposed to win. Mm-hmm. Because when you get into a Saturday night game in Edmonton and you know sneak out a four three win being outshot forty one to sixteen, you can't bank on that happening too often. No. And so for the next seventy nine games, you gotta make it a priority to win the games you are supposed to win and not play down to level of your competition and not take a night off and I'm not saying that they're not trying I'm not saying that
0: but it felt like they weren't trying
1: to. it just really has to be a priority I think to completely capitalize on the games that you should win because these are just points that they're all worth the same in October or, or April mm-hmm. and these are the types of points that you got to gather up and have in the bank and good teams are going to have off nights I'm
0: not I'm not
1: saying that but
0: the Canucks haven't earned the the respect, I guess, or the or the right to be like, "Hey, this is an off night. Next game's going to be better." There's no reason for fans or or for media to look at this team and believe that. Maybe they will be. Maybe on Thursday they come out against Tampa and they get off to a hot start. It's tough to say. We'll have to see. But they better be ready because they haven't really been so far this season. And I know they're two and one. You're in a you're very fortunate to be in that position. You earned it the first game, but since then there have been a lot of question marks and it's something that got really exposed tonight and something that really needs to get shored up by Thursday, which is not a lot of time. Uh, let's go to the phone line. We got Gary and Maple Ridge. Uh, thanks for calling in Gary. What do you got for us tonight?
2: Yeah, we well, just, hi, uh, good evening. Uh, I watched a, a, a portion of the game, uh, the second period was god awful, but um, what I was going to ask you is this: is that uh, the, uh, the Maple Leafs have got have got Reeves, Boston Bruins have got lots of tough players, Minnesota just got uh, they, they got Foligno, Uh and I looked at the Canucks and. And um, before the before the season started, Calgary picked up a guy from off of waivers, and he'd been playing for, I believe, Boston, and I'm not sure what what other team. And he's a tough guy, and he's only, he's only making 1.1 $1. $1 million, which only, but to, to me, that's lots of money. But to, to the NHL, it isn't. And I'm just wondering why did we pick him up because we need somebody because Besides Joshua and possibly uh, Miller, and I would, I would think he would prefer to stay on the ice. We have zero, and what I saw tonight, uh, I didn't like what I didn't like. Pedersen getting knocked down. I certainly didn't like um, uh, Hughes getting knocked down. We don't have anything, and I was just wondering what you would like to comment on. And uh, thanks for listening to me. And uh, um, we got seventy. Eight games left, so stuff like that. So, so and I'd like to hear your comment. And by the way, thanks to the producer for letting me on. Thanks. Hey,
0: Gary, appreciate the call. Uh, that is Gary from Maple Ridge with some thoughts on the Canucks adding a tough guy, potentially. And it's something that I think we had a call on the post-game show as well we about did. that too. Yeah. Um, it's a popular comment. It's a it popular sentiment. It is. My thing, here's what I will say. Tonight, there were a lot of moments where the Canucks were getting pushed off pucks. We saw Hughes getting knocked around a bit. We saw Pedersen getting knocked around by Delorier. Even Miller got
1: knocked off a couple pucks.
0: That's what I was going to say. Even JT Miller, there was was a moment where I think the Canucks might have been on the penalty kill and he was trying to skate it out. And then Cam Atkinson knocks him off the puck. Like, JT Miller, you shouldn't be getting knocked off pucks. But also, the Canucks were getting pushed around. And, And I will say, the Flyers are... They are a big team. They're not a good team, but they're a big team. And maybe that's that's a big part of their game, and that is what they're going to be good at this year, even though they're probably not going to pick up a lot of points. And the reason for that is because they just have a lot of big guys that can't score. But it is a concern when you go up against a team like, I'm watching the Colorado Avalanche play right now. And they're a team who aren't going to, they're not going to like scrum it up. But they're a big team and they're gonna push you around. And same with we might see it on in on Thursday against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like they have a big defense that can push you around. And I don't necessarily think the guy the Canucks need a guy like Ryan Reeves. Because you can even look at like in terms of like they brought in Carson Soucy. he's a big guy who could theoretically stand up for players on the team. Ian Cole could theoretically do that. Um same with someone like like, Dakota Joshua has shown he can do that in the past. The issue is the Canucks don't have enough players that can actually play in their lineup where you can say, hey, here's a spot just for a guy who's going to do nothing other than intimidate. You know what I mean? Like, the the Leafs can do that because they have proven that their they Their second have-
1: line is John Tavares and William Nylander?
0: Exactly. They have enough skill to offset having Brian Reeves in their lineup. Right. And the Canucks haven't shown that
1: they have that. Well, I just don't think they can make that a priority for a roster spot right now.
0: No, and and I think that's a thing you do when you're maybe gearing up for a playoff run and you consider your team soft.
1: Sure, but I don't think the Canucks are in a position physically where they are going to be asking their top guys to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. the guy who called in on the post-game show was asking us to, you know, if we knew the weight of Pedersen and Hughes, and I think that kind of misses the point. Mm -hmm. I think, if anything it's a bit of a pride thing for this team. And I know we went through this with Horvat last year when there was a scrum. I believe they were playing Tampa and there was an issue. And he didn't really stand up for his teammate, whoever it was. Yeah. I think that the expectation for someone to just drop the gloves immediately is warranted in some circumstances. But you shouldn't just have a guy on the roster to be a bowling ball necessarily. And I think that style of hockey ended... A long time ago, mm-hmm. you <laughs> win with skill. You win with a big defense, as you mentioned, that can it, that is mobile. But you don't win with just a bunch of guys running around trying to make amends for taking a shot at one of the players. And it wasn't a cheap shot at Elias Pettersson in the first period. No, it was a, it was a it clean, was a clean it was hit, clean good hit. It was a solid hockey play. Yeah. So if we're gonna get upset about that, you know, where do you draw the line here? Obviously, if it's a cheap shot. Go after the guy. And you saw Philadelphia today. Uh, Lafferty came in. They were called offside. The puck kind of slid into the net. And Philly went after him. Mm -hmm. I stand by that. And I think that if if they did that to the Canucks, I would hope to see that this roster responds in a similar way and say that's unacceptable. And I do think they would respond in that way. So just because they're not the biggest team doesn't mean they're not the toughest team. And I think Rick Tockett has helped instill that mentality because that's who he was as a player. He was not someone to trifle with. And I think he wants this team to kind of embody that. I think Pedersen has shown throughout his career that he is a tough individual and he will go into the corners and he will throw the body around. Mm -hmm. So just because of a certain one-off once in a while, I don't think totally is valid to just say this team is soft and, and needs somebody to be a protector out there.
0: I agree. Uh, I think it's a position that, to, to Ben's point, is definitely on the way out of the NHL. And again, some teams can have someone that fills that role because they have enough skill elsewhere to offset it. But again, the Canucks are nowhere near that position right now. And it's, like it definitely shouldn't be high on the priority list, unless it's someone who you can bring in that you look at as someone that fills a, a bigger role who also has that element in their game. But I think they have guys like that already. I know Gary from Maple Ridge mentioned JT Miller like you have guys who are going to play for you that can stand up for other players. Um I just don't really think it's necessary. But you would like to see you would like to see your team fight for each other and I think that's something that was missing tonight as well. Is your captain's getting knocked down in a corner? Go after that person because that's your guy. Uh, it is the Canucks post-post game show on Sportsnet 650. Josh Elliott-Wolf, Mem Bassrin. Uh, we'll read some text on the other side. We've got a call that we'll get to on the other side as well. Got to hit the break real quick here. But it is Josh Elliott-Wolf, Ben Bassrin on Sportsnet 650.
2: Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the
3: show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to the Canucks post-post game show. Following a 2-0 loss for the Canucks in Philadelphia to the Flyers. Uh, keep your texts coming in. 650-650. Dunbar Lumber Text Line. We're coming to you live from the Kintex Studio. Um, we got some texts here. I'll fit in a couple before we take a call. Uh, this one. Tonight is who the Canucks are. That's in response to us talking about who are the real Canucks. Um again, I don't think you can look at tonight and be like, this is who they are. This is this is what they're gonna be all season. Because if so, like we're gonna find out real quick if they keep showing it, and substantial changes are gonna have to be made. And when I say substantial changes, I'd mean like, hey, you gotta trade everyone because obviously it isn't working. But again, I don't think that's who they are personally. I think we've yet to see that. And that that's kind of the issue I have with this team is, like, the highs are really high. You can win 8-1, but also you can lose 2-0 and look like a really difficult team or a really struggling team when you shouldn't have that many issues against a Philadelphia Flyers team that is not supposed to be good this year. Uh, other techs, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber Tech line, This one, big fans of the show. Uh, they say, you two are the saddest sports talk duo I have ever listened to. Unbelievable. No one died. You are not at a wake. You are supposed to be sports talk hosts. So start earning your paycheck. Sigh! Exclamation point.
1: Someone took the Cox loss very hard tonight.
0: Well, or they, they think we shouldn't be taking it that hard. I don't know. I feel like we're, we're um, I don't think I'm that sad. I'm not. I just have questions, and I would like to see the questions answered on Thursday,
1: though I do think there's still a lot of good that this team can do. We just didn't see it tonight. Well, even the last eight minutes, right? Like, they showed yeah. energy. They showed, okay, let's... Quinn Hughes said it in his post-game press conference, when after 40 minutes, which is by far the worst 40 minutes of play we've seen from them in in a long time, to be fair. Mm-hmm. He's like, I still thought we could win the game tonight.
0: Yeah, and they, they realistically could. I totally. won't get into it in the five Ws, but it's... The Garland goal or the Garland no goal, I do think should have counted. I have no idea what goaltender interference is anymore, but also, like, I can see why they didn't count it. I just think it should have counted. Um, and that could have changed the game because if Philly challenges it and it still stands as a goal, you get a power play after that, maybe get some momentum. And that just really, like, in the third period, and again, the Canucks didn't deserve to win tonight, but in the third period, they got reffed a little bit. I'll say that. And you want to put yourself in a position where that doesn't matter, but tonight it did matter a bit, but it still wasn't the main driving force behind why they lost tonight. Um, let's get a call in as well. Uh, Mike in Langley. Thanks for calling in, Mike. Did you call in the previous post game show as well? No, I did not. Oh, okay.
3: Um, but uh, I got a, a few things. I've been calling in over the you know, the years and that. Um, and But one of the things, don't be hard on yourself because these texters uh, that don't want to call, they're afraid of rebuttal. So don't worry about that. You're doing a great job. Thanks, um And then I also met uh, uh, Cam Barra uh, this summer. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about him, but I met him in the Caribou and a uh, great guy. I like him. I love him. I do, too. Yeah, we had a lot of laughs. Um, but getting to the point, uh, and I'm not a professional hockey player. Uh, I didn't play anything uh, professionally, but I didn't play sports. And I think what Rick talked, and I told uh, your your uh, producer, I think what he's trying to do is create the type of atmosphere that he grew up in. And, and it's a great atmosphere because <clears throat> look what's happened to Toronto. I mean, they're not going to win they're not even going to win this year because they need to have the grit and you don't have to be the look at Boston. Okay. Tampa's had a, a good run, uh, Philly in the old days, but without intimidation is that much, but you've got to have players that are going to stick up. And even though, uh, that one play, uh, where Rafferty, uh, I think he put the puck in the net and you know what, the guy came after him. I thought that was nonsense. I thought that it should have been four against one and, and two for Rafferty, but you got to create an atmosphere and if you're taking a penalty to protect your guys you want to create that atmosphere of you don't play like that against us and i remember back in the day a little guy thurin flurry uh and his he's a great book that he's put out there uh, about 20 years ago but when he wanted to survive he just said i'm going to take penalties he told the coach he says i'm going to i won't use the language but he says i'm going to protect myself and these guys won't come after me. And for a 170-pound player at, what, 5'9", 5'10", he was very effective. And you need to also, the last thing is you need to protect our stars. And if that means uh, taking a penalty here and there, you over time, not too long, you're going to create that atmosphere that's like, don't mess with our guys because, you know what, we're going to mess with yours and we're going to take care of you at the same time. And I hope talk it, uh carries on like this. I think he's doing a good job. Uh, it's just a matter of him trying to convince the manager and the the, the, pre- the president uh, that they can go forth in this because I know what the blueprint is for him, and I love
0: it. Thanks, guys. Hey, Mike, really appreciate the call. Uh, good run there. So there was some stuff you, you touched on there that I do think is inter- interesting. When we talk about a team, like, to – To go back to an earlier call, Gary and Maple Ridge, who was like, hey, they need a tough guy. They got to bring someone in. I do think when you look at the good teams around the league, they play tough and they play big. But they don't necessarily have someone who's like, this is the guy who's going to beat you up. You know what I mean? An enforcer. Yeah, they they don't. Some teams have that, but Mm -hmm. most teams don't need that. But you do, like your team plays bigger than they are to an extent. And they play physically intimidating. They pay play a very hard style to play against and i do think that's what to uh to mike and langley's points that's what rick talkett was trying to seems to be trying to instill in the team is like be a thorn to play it's a mindset yeah just make the other team hate you and that's one of the things i really thought we were seeing in the first two games and hey maybe it's a blip on the radar tonight maybe they'll come back with that same energy on thursday but in the first two games what i the main thing that stood out to me was like, hey, this team looks like other teams will hate to play against them just because they're going to be chippy. Like we saw in the second game, like Edmonton would score a goal and Vancouver would bounce back and Canucks would take the lead again. Then Edmonton's taking shots from the outside. That's that's what you want to see. And when you're playing like that and you're you're playing aggressive, you're playing hard, other teams – are going to be frustrated by you, but they're also going to be intimidated by you. And we get a text in uh, from Tim. Intimidation is a factor in hockey. It's been in hockey since forever. And that's kind of a big thing as well. Is like you need to get to a point where you can intimidate opponents. And we didn't see it tonight, but I do think we potentially saw it in the first couple games.
1: And I think there's enough players on this roster that are intimidating both physically and skill-wise. You know that when Quinn Hughes and... Elias Pedersen are out there these guys can make you look silly they can do things to put you on the highlight reel at night because they are just so talented but you you know they also have guys like Lafferty or Stadnika who can play big and on Saturday night those guys each scored they played big roles and you know Lafferty comes down the wing puts his shoulder down scores a magnificent goal that's playing big That's intimidating. I don't care if you put your body into me. I'm going to the front of the net and I'm going to score this puck. It might not work every time. But when you have that mindset, other teams go into the game knowing these guys are going to go to the areas that aren't really going to be fun for us. And we're going to come out of this with bruises and scratches and it's not going to be a good time. And so I completely agree with that text from Tim that it's part of the game. But that needs to come. My entire point here is this needs to come every single night. Because if you lack the consistency, which this team has showed over and over again to be the identity that you want to be, then teams will go into a game and be like, I don't know which Vancouver we're going to see tonight. Teams are saying that. We can say that. We don't know night to night who is going to show up. And if they find a level of consistency, if they find something within themselves to, to latch on to and be this is who we're going to be, then I think it's only going to breed more and more success but they need to bring that on a consistent basis. And that doesn't mean winning every single game. The Sedins used to say that they sometimes would like to lose games, 3-2 in overtime maybe, but they played a good game. Then win a game where they were like, yeah, we didn't deserve to win tonight really. Mm -hmm. And that shows a mentality where you want to bring the same level of competitiveness and just compete night in and night out. Yeah, and that's that's something we'll get into as well in the
0: 5W, so let's get into that now. Uh, usually there's a music bed, not tonight. We're having issues with our... Some tech stuff. Yeah, tech, behind the scenes we're having some issues. We'll get it figured out for uh, tomorrow and other shows. By the way, um, Sportsnet Tonight coming back one night a week. I will be hosting every Monday night. Let's go. Get pumped every Monday night, I believe, from 6 to 8, assuming no scheduling issues. Uh, mainly Canucks games would kind of throw that off. but uh, So, yeah, if you have no plans in the evenings from 6 to 8, I will be with you. So, very excited for that. But tonight we're here until 9. I want to get into the five W's. And the one we're going to start with that we kind of talked about um, to start the show is who are the real Canucks? And we're not going to spend too much time on it because we just spent a whole twenty minutes on it, essentially. But I look at tonight, and I don't think this is who the Canucks are because this is just this was this was a horrible effort. And realistically, I think Rick Tockett is going to be able to get more out of this team night in and night out. And we saw it in the first two games; they were just a really difficult team to play against. And that's something I think they're going to get back to. Again, I don't think we're going to see the highs of night one of the season. What a ride that was, remember? Wow. It feels so long ago now. It feels like two weeks ago, but it was six days ago. Um, But I do think there's somewhere in the middle where if you can be a team that's difficult to play against, that's at least staying in games – I think we're going to see a team this year who like, you're going to lose some, some low scoring games, but I think if the offense clicks on a night, you're going to be able to like realistically, if this team plays how it did in the first two games. And again, there were issues Saturday in Edmonton. If this team plays like it did in the first two ish games, you're going to win more often than you're going to lose. And I, I keep, Having to like preface what happened on Saturday is like, yeah, there weren't, there were some issues, but I do think there were aspects of the game that you can carry over to other games and say, hey, like they did some things right. You just have to work on not giving a team like Edmonton seven power plays and also be able to control play a little bit more. But I think this year we're going to see a team that can control play a little bit more. We just didn't see it tonight. And the thing that frustrates me. And we've kind of talked about it is the performances are so inconsistent in terms of like they can either have an 8-1 game or they can lose to nothing and not look great like they did tonight. And I think they need to find a baseline of, hey, this is what you can expect from them night in, night out. And maybe that'll end up in a win. Maybe it'll be a close loss as opposed to the super highs and super lows that we've seen so far this season. We saw a lot last season as well. There needs to be a baseline that this team can meet every game that we haven't seen from them so far.
1: And what do you chalk that up to? Is and that a personnel problem?
0: I think it's a preparation issue. And we've talked, like, that's something Tockett mentioned as well, is
1: mm-hmm.
0: they, like, they practices. He called out two practices. called out two practices. Yeah. And...
1: But doesn't it, that start from the top? Like, everything you read, everything you watch and hear... From sports documentaries to interviews to whatever you want to point to, practice habits start from the top of your team. Do you, do you mean as in like top players? Top players on your oh, team. Okay. When they set the bar at a certain level, everybody else needs to follow that because it's they're all aware that, okay, he's our best player. And if he's working this hard, if he's bringing this level of intensity to practice, then I need to do that as well because I'm not him. And I'm not saying that that's Pedersen and Hughes and Miller not doing that on a day-to-day basis, but I'd like to know why was it a bad practice Yeah. and who is going to take the role and the charge of saying, this is garbage Mm -hmm. and we can't keep doing this. And I would like to think that that is the leadership group and it is those top players because naturally, instinctually, when these guys... Are playing at their best, and when they're bringing it every day, and they're the first onto the ice and the last to leave, as a cliche, then the guys, the bottom six forwards, the third pairing defensemen, are going to be a little bit inspired, a little bit motivated, be like okay, I got to do that too. I got to keep up. And that's something we saw with
0: like the Sedin's were always like that. They were the they were the pinnacle of what the players needed to be, and they represented it, and obviously paid off greatly for them but that i do i do question it And, and i don't question the coaching because we've seen it with three coaches now where all three of them are like i don't know what's going on and like we're not practicing properly we're not starting games properly like the coaches seem confused and at a certain point i like i get it you can blame the coach for being he's the guy that's theoretically supposed to get them ready for the game but also if three coaches who all have different approaches to how to how to handle the team are saying the same thing maybe it's a player issue and that's something that potentially needs to get figured out in terms of preparation and I, I do think this team has the skill to overcome all of that and that's why theoretically if they can get over whatever hurdle this is in terms of preparing properly, and practicing properly. They should be a really good team. We just haven't seen it in this cores era so far. Um, next one, where do we want to go here? Okay, so we're talking about Rick Tockett. Why don't we do this? Why did Rick Tocket run a hard practice yesterday? So we got a lot of texts on the 650-650 Dunbar-Lumber text line being like, hey, maybe they were just tired because there were reports yesterday that they had an hour long practice in Philadelphia kind of bag skated. Like it was, a, it was a very hard practice and generally that doesn't happen often for a team, especially when they're two and O and during a road trip like that, that doesn't happen often in the NHL. I think there's probably a big reason for it is Though there were aspects of their game on Saturday that went well, namely like the penalty kill. Here's what I will say. The penalty kill all year, I've had no issues with it. It's been great.
1: That's a positive.
0: That's a positive. But there were issues with their game on Saturday that the needed. The goaltending's
1: also been awesome.
0: Yeah. Go, both Demko Which and DeSantis. plays
1: a role in the penalty kill. For sure.
0: For sure it does. Um, but they didn't play a great game in Edmonton. They squeaked out a win. We all know this. They didn't play a great game. So practicing hard to work on what you were lacking in Edmonton, I don't think is an issue. And when it, when people are complaining about, hey, like, oh, well, maybe they're tired. Like, it was a hard practice yesterday. These are NHL players. This is their job. This is their, like, like what are three, we doing? Yeah, you're two games into a season, three games now, and you're already
1: like, oh, man, that was a hard practice. But I don't hear the players saying that to their credit. No. but Pocket like, says it was a hard practice? Yeah. No excuses. Yeah.
0: And I'm not going to tell people, like, if you're a say what you want. But I I'll, just... I'll
1: tell. Like, no, that's not a valid <laughs> excuse. I'll say it. Like, you can't be saying they're tired from a one-hour practice. These are professional athletes. And they're like, not making the
0: excuse. There should be... There are bigger conditioning issues if... They
1: can't handle a practice the day before a game. They had two days off in between games as well. That's I started, the other thing. I, I was started the say. show off by saying this wasn't a third game and four nights on a road trip that's been two weeks long. Mm-hmm. This is the second game of a road trip, the third game of a season. You just had two days off in between games. There is no reason why you shouldn't be fresh and prepared for a game like today.
0: Mm-hmm. They like you should have You should have been able to show up. Good teams are able to practice the day before a game. You know what I mean? Like, good teams are able to do that and then go out and maybe you don't win the game, but you at least go out and you start
1: well, and we just haven't seen that. And talk it last year. How many times did we say, I just wish I had more practice time. I just want to practice more. I need to practice with these guys. Mm -hmm. To talk its credit, he hasn't even been the coach of the Canucks for a year. He's had one training camp with them. He still wants these guys to be together in a practice environment, learning the systems, learning the structure, getting better at that. Mm -hmm. So this isn't a veteran team that's a contender that could use a day off once in a while to just get some rest, but you trust them when it comes to the game. This team doesn't have that benefit of the doubt. When Tockett has an opportunity and having two days off is an ample opportunity to get the team together to practice or to prove a point about their style of play from the game before power to him. That's his right. And they need to respond accordingly. And they didn't in practice and they didn't tonight.
0: And what I will say is like, we get a lot of text in being like, Hey, it's one game. This is the third game of the season. It's a long season. Maybe we're overreacting. I get what you're saying, but also we know how thin the margins are for this team this year. And if this ends up being one game, it's a blip on the radar, that's fine. Then you can write it off. You can say, hey, they didn't have it that night. That sucks, but whatever. My fear is that if this becomes a trend, then that's where, because the margins are so thin, you lose a few games in a row because you weren't prepared. And then all of a sudden, that could be the difference in you making the playoffs or not making the playoffs by the end of the season. Uh, Next question. When does... In games like this, when does the blame start to fall on the star players? And I feel like in Vancouver, oftentimes we default to being like tonight, for example. Tyler Myers, I'm not going to defend him. Had a horrible game. Noah Juleson had a bad game. Had a bad game on Saturday as well. Depth players often have issues. And that's why why the depth players. That's why they're, they're going to have highs. They're going to have lows. Ideally, you can find a middle ground. But usually if they can find a middle ground, then they're probably not depth players. They're probably important to you in some way. Right. Like a guy like Ian Cole, for example. Well, you're like, he can play really well defensively, but he's also never going like, to be great offensively. But he meets a baseline every night. You know what you're going to get from him.
1: Yeah, but you can't expect Saturday to... Ha- like Honestly, Josh, Like when Stadnika, Lafferty, and Hoaglander score for you, yep. you cannot expect that every single night. And I know that the Canucks scored 12 goals in their first two games, and that's great. But there was an instance of moments today where it was just like, why did you do that? JT Miller flipping the puck way above the glass to go back to the point to get to Quinn Hughes, and the puck goes down the ice when you're on the power play. Mm-hmm. What was the plan there? What was going on? Mm-hmm. Brock Besser wasn't overly overly noticeable tonight
0: professor had like so a lot of weird
1: moments where he was missing passes, not in the right spot. He had one really good look, he had a very solid wrist shot, and I you know obviously he didn't bury it, but other than that, it was just kind of like a where was he situation out there and so you ask when do you start blaming the star players? I think that when you play top teams, your star players have to be your best players in order for you to win, and then when you play your the bottom feeder teams. You need to rely on your star players to get the job done for you. They need to be your best players every single night. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who you're playing. That's why, guys,
0: that's why they're getting paid.
1: They don't get paid to take days off mm-hmm. or practices off.
0: And I will say, I think tonight, specifically, I think Elias Patterson had a really bad game. And he's, we talk about the benefit of the doubt with the Canucks in terms of like, hey, they haven't earned the benefit of the, of the doubt to have a bad game. Elias Patterson has. So I'm not I'm not going to sit here and harp on Elias Petterson, But there are, like he had a bad game tonight. JT Miller, I think, was passable. Um, Quinn Hughes, I don't think this was a great game from Quinn Hughes either. Thatcher Demko showed up, which is great. He can only do so much, though, if he can't score. Um, but those three specifically, Miller, Petterson or Hughes, not like realistically you want all of them to show up to a certain extent every night. But one of them really has to show up every night.
1: I don't think this team's good enough, honestly, Josh, where if one of the three of them show up, this team's not good enough beyond that for them to win.
0: I, honestly, I think if Pedersen, like if one of them had a standout game tonight, I think they, like, you're playing, you're playing if, Philadelphia. You're playing Philadelphia. Philadelphia. You probably could have won.
1: Right. And I think it's a huge red flag that your best players against a weak team, none of them had a good game skater wise. Outside of Thatcher Demko, who mm-hmm. was phenomenal, he was amazing. And you know, Quinn Hughes in the post game calling him a very special goalie. He is, and he can steal games for you. We've seen him steal playoff series for this team's or and high leverage playoff games. Mm-hmm. But you can't rely on that every single night. No,
0: it, it should be. And we like Rick Toccat has talked about it. I think conduct management has talked about it. We've definitely talked about it. Is you want to get to a point where as a team you are defensively sound enough that you don't need these kind of kind of games from Thatcher Demko. And sometimes you are going to need it. And that that's just how a season goes for teams. But realistically, this should be an added benefit to your team. This shouldn't be necessary for your team to succeed. And for way too long, it has been necessary for the Canucks to succeed. It still will be this season because you look at the defense and Obviously, it's not one of the best defenses in the league. But you want to get to a point where you have more games where Demko isn't shelled like he was tonight and like DeSmith was on Saturday. Uh, We'll end with this one. What is goaltender interference? So tonight,
1: no one seems to know.
0: No, Dude, no one seems to know. I know John Shorthouse and Dave Tomlinson on the TV call were like, I think that's a goal
1: but we both have different opinions on the goal tonight or the disallowed goal tonight.
0: Yes, yeah, so Garland, his goal got called off because he kind of... Well, it's I don't know if it's on Garland or Besser. I think it was kind of like people were going both ways. Besser was in the crease, didn't make contact with Carter Hart, though theoretically he like in, he was in the crease, so he kind of maybe got in the way of where Carter Hart could have been. Which
1: is my argument.
0: But to me... I, I feel like you have to make contact with the goalie. For but he's to. in the blue paint. Sure, but like there's always someone
1: in the blue paint when there's like a, a scrum in front. But you can't be the offensive player in the blue paint potentially impeding on a goalie's movement when he wants to exactly move that way to stop a, car, a Connor Garland goal.
0: But I don't think he. I like when I was watching. The way I saw it is Carter Hart was trying to move the way he did move, and I don't think he was impeded. What I think they called, and maybe we'll get a was like, the Garland thing. Was the Garland thing where he pushes his pad into the net, and I can kind of understand that. But also the puck was there, and
1: I also just think that like you should be able to play the puck if you're. A How many times have we seen a goal like that though, where the Pad gets pushed across the line in some sort of capacity. That happens, and it counts, and and no, exactly, and it counts. Yeah, which is why my brain went to. I don't think it could have been that because we just see goals like that so often, mm-hmm. and maybe it was a mix of both. I really wish Batch said it on the call. You know, he wishes that the ref could say, "Call on the ice is no goal because." Yeah, give us a description.
0: Tell us, or at least like I think the NHL does. Or I forget what league it is. It might be the NHL. It might be other. The NBA
1: te- did a last two minute thing for a couple years. That's what I was. Where they would of. explain the calls that happened yeah. at the end of the game, and sometimes they'd be like, "We kind of messed up, mm-hmm. and so sorry, you lost the game." But then, then people were like, "But well, then they got rid of up. that." Yeah. Exactly.
0: Um, I I wish we would get something like that. We I don't think we ever will. But um, I I would say it's a Garland thing. I still think it should have counted. Like if you're if you're playing the puck and you're. If he went to Carter Hart and he pushed his pad in just thinking that the, pa- the puck was under his pad, then maybe I can understand calling that goaltender interference because you're just trying to push the goalie in to get a goal, but to your point, we've seen this so many times in the past where a pad gets pushed in because a, pu- a player is trying to play the puck, and it's counted before, and I just don't get why it didn't count tonight, but Obviously, that, that played a part. I do think that that was a huge momentum swing tonight. Realistically, like that, hey, you get a goal, and then you get a power play after because Philly challenged. Maybe you still lose, but that's the goal they needed in the third period and the goal I think they got. And then the life kind of gets sucked out of you when that gets called back.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you, you don't know what's going to happen, but the momentum... What you do know is the momentum's definitely on the side of the Canucks. After a goal that, if it's if it had stood, you know, would have made it a two-one game. You go to the power play; things can happen. And the Canucks played with some energy in the last ten minutes of the third period. Maybe they would have scored again. Maybe they still lose. They get a point. Who knows what would have happened? But for whatever reason, it was called a no-goal situation, and from there on out, it was just kind of it wasn't in the cards for the Canucks to win. Like they just didn't get any. I was thinking about it, Josh. I didn't I can't think of any grade A scoring chances tonight where it was like, Yep, that really could have gone in or should have gone in. No. There I, were moments where they had offensive zone pressure, but there
0: was never a like, hey, like Carter Hart never had to make an amazing save. No. And that's like like I don't want to say it's unforgivable, but it's really that's a really difficult thing to see against, against a team like the Philadelphia Flyers.
1: And you and I were talking about it, you know, when we were behind the glass here working the game and just the amount of passes that were missing tape and just the sloppiness of it all. And that's going to contribute to a lack of scoring chances when you can't get passes through when you're not making proper structured plays in the offensive zone or in the neutral zone to even set yourself up. How can you expect to get anywhere close to the middle of the ice and get any lateral movement with the puck to get Carter Hart moving because it seemed like he didn't have to do anything complicated today and had a 25-save shutout.
0: Yeah, for sure. It is uh, the Canucks post-post-game show here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Josh Elliott-Wolf. He has been Bastard. And on the other side, we'll continue to take your text, 650-650, Dunbar-Lumber text line. Keep them coming in. Also, if you want to get a last-minute phone call in, we can do that as well, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 1-888-750-650. Or two seven five zero six fifty. It is the Canucks post post game show on Sportsnet six fifty. Welcome back to the Canucks post post game show here on Sportsnet six fifty. Josh Ellie, will Ben ambassering with you for another 20-ish minutes before we set you off for the night. You can forget about the 2 nothing game for a few hours until Hoffman and Bruff come on at 6 a.m. And I'm sure they'll talk about it. Could you imagine they just didn't talk about it? They were like, you know what? Not worth it.
1: If Bruff just said, all right, so we're going to start off the show with uh, anything else. <laughs> yeah. He was talking this morning about how he was happy, how the Canucks started 2-0. That tonight might be a trap game. When he's like, I want to be positive right now because I'm not sure I'm gonna come on tomorrow morning and everything could be a complete disaster. Ah. I'm bad. sorry, Jason.
0: It happened. It happened. Uh 650 Dunbar Lumber Text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Lanner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Lanner Center, or our in Vancouver online at Dunbar Uh get your text in six 650- fifty. Six fifty. Um this one here is an excuse for you. They were not playing Stuart Skinner. They should have lost last game as well. I will say Oilers had weak goaltending in the first couple of games. I do still think that if I if I'm thinking back correctly, like that game should have at least gotten overtime in terms of like Two or three of the Canucks goals were goals that should have gone in regardless of the goalie. Um, Though I will say Skinner didn't make like an amazing save on Saturday and he didn't keep them in the game or he kept them in the game, but he didn't give them a chance to win the Oilers. Carter Hart, I wouldn't say he gave the Flyers a chance to win tonight either because he didn't need to. What would Edmonton
1: give to have a Demko-type performance like tonight?
0: Dude. Oilers with a with a goalie, unstoppable.
1: Easy rebuttal is what would you give to have McDavid and Drysaddle?
0: Yeah, that's fair. Fair, <laughs> fair enough. Fair. Um, but that's but not as fun. No. And the Oilers are, like, trying to invest in goalies, like, trying to sign Stuart Skinner and and Jack Campbell. Like, they're, like these are our guys. And it didn't work out. Didn't work out. 650-650, lumber text line. Uh, we were talking about how... In certain games, the Canucks star players need to show up. And in certain games, they might need to take the blame for some losses as well. Uh, This one, 650-650. I don't think any of the Canucks' top nine paid players showed up tonight. Uh, If you're wondering who those players are... That was. So, let me tell you. Um, I believe Thatcher Demko falls into that. So... I'm going to keep him out of it. Let's just say it's top nine skaters. Uh, You'd be looking at JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, uh, Quinn Hughes, Tyler Myers. So we're at four right now. Uh, Brock Besser, Andre Kuzmenko, Connor Garland. um, So that's seven. And then you get into Philip Peronik and Anthony Beauvillier. Anthony Beauvillier has not had a great season so far. He's kind of been largely... Invisible out there, I guess. Like, through the first two games, I kind of forgot he was on the There's
1: just too many guys on a nightly basis where I'm like, you played hockey tonight? You were there? Yeah. What did you do? And Beauvillier, for me,
0: even, like, in the first game, when I was like, everybody was amazing, Mm -hmm. I forgot Beauvillier was It's
1: just such a bad sign. Yeah. Um, And tonight,
0: the, the thing the Canucks need is maybe, like, top nine players is probably a bit of a stretch in terms of, he need to show up every game, but you should get in. Like if you're getting paid over $4 million, you should have a baseline of competency. You know what I mean? And Beauvillier, I will say, I don't think he was, he's, he wasn't stand out in a bad way. So maybe that's a baseline of competency where no, you're not. like, but realistically, like Anthony Beauvillier every night, is not going to provide something for you? In terms of, like, he's not going to sh- show up on the score sheet
1: every night. He's not an 80-point player. Then what are you bring to the table is what I would ask that player.
0: Right. But Bovillier, like, we know what Bovillier brings to the table. He's a middle six winger who's probably getting paid a little bit too much, who's fast, can play on your second power play unit, and can also play at the lineup. And realistically, and, it, like, we don't need to spend too much time on Anthony Bovillier, but realistically guys like that every team has them some of them are going to be invisible on some nights
1: I'm very hopeful that when the Canucks get Ilya Mikheyev back into the lineup he will be a jolt of electricity to this roster and to this team I hope so too especially on the top line exactly because he plays with that you're gonna notice him he's so fast he's quick he's shifty you're gonna notice him to Connor Garland's credit for everything that can be said against him he does things that get noticed
0: he had his moments tonight as well like obviously he had the goal that got called back but he had other chances and he he seemed to be trying to create something
1: makes things happen yes and there's just too many guys on a nightly basis that seem to don't make things happen so when Mikheyev comes back and yes he'll be playing on the top line but you know on most teams he's probably another middle line wing player but he's one of those guys that's going to make an impact and he's going to help the penalty kill and I'm mm-hmm. very hopeful and optimistic that that's going to happen for this team. But that's not happening on this road trip from what we've heard. Mm-hmm. So for the next three games to conclude the trip, you got to find something else. you got to find a level of consistency and a level of energy to, to bring, no matter who you are in the lineup, so that you can bring something to the table and inspire and get the rest of your team kind of going. So we talk about energy. One thing I wanted to touch on that I've noticed in
0: the first three games is and correct me if I'm wrong, but I was thinking back to the first game, I was thinking back to Saturday and and tonight as well, and it's been a theme for the Canucks in the past previous in, in the past couple of years is they haven't gotten off to good starts in game. And this year a lot of, a lot of what we talked about preseason was like, hey, you gotta get get off to a good start on the season. But in game, they've also had issues of like the first five to 10 minutes have not been great for the Canucks. And even thinking back to the first game, like the Oilers had a lot of chances in the first five to 10 minutes before Patterson found Garland and that kind of shifted things for the Canucks. And then after like Saturday, Oilers score in the first, what was it, minute, 20 seconds? Same thing tonight. Same thing tonight. Like the the Flyers came out hot and they scored really quick. That's we were talking about the preparation a bit earlier as well. Like I I need to know why that keeps happening. And that's something I feel like should be fixable, you know? But it's just been a theme for this team for
1: over a couple years now. It's not I'm not saying they're nervous. I don't think they're nervous, but they come out looking like it. Just playing a bit tentative. They don't It looks like they don't want to make, Josh, the big mistake. Mm -hmm. The mistake that's going to get guys like you and I talking about it for a segment after the show. And when you play scared in any sport, in any capacity, you're going to make more mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying to be reckless and carefree out there and do whatever you want. But playing within yourself, especially at the beginning of the game, Feeling your way out, getting into the flow of things, getting to speed is part of it. But you don't have to play scared. And I think that whiffed passes, you know, a couple times tonight, forwards had the puck and were unable to get out of the zone. It wasn't just a random goal that Philadelphia scored tonight. It was consistent zone time that led to it. And so it was just pure domination and just an inability to get your feet moving and make something happen to get the puck out of your zone and relieve some of the pressure. Mm-hmm. And I totally buy that for the first few minutes, you got to get into the flow of the game and, you know, get up to speed. But that can't come at a cost of being down one nothing on back-to-back nights.
0: And also, like, realistically, it shouldn't happen every night. You know what I mean? And it's, it feels like going back to last season, ha- it happens way too often. And it happened again tonight. It, I I'm going to say it's happened the first three games of the season, and to a lesser extent in the first game, but it still did happen. Um, but what, like, why are the other teams able to come out like that against you, but you can't? And I just feel like the Canucks need, for for whatever reason, they've needed other teams to bring them into the game, and they haven't been able to bring themselves into the game, to start. And, and uh, every now and then they've had the the odd game where the, they will start hot and kind of get things going early, but it's been few and far between. And we, when we were talking about the season as a whole, we, we talked about the start again and how important that was. And it was kind of like, it's kind of a microcosm, like each game is a microcosm of the Canucks season in terms of they've started slow and then they, they end up finishing hot and it just wasn't enough like you look at tonight, just wasn't enough. Um, You need to find a way to be aggressive early on in games because later on in games, that aggressiveness that maybe ended up giving you a goal is going to pay off so much more. You're going to be able to manage the game so much better. And it's similar to when we talk about the season as a whole, where, hey, if you rack up a bunch of wins early, you're not going to have to fight tooth and nail to get back into the playoff race late in the
1: year. And so... And just playing ahead in anything. It's just so much easier. It's just so much easier. And when you're behind in a game, in a season, and you have to play catch-up, you inherently find yourself taking more risks. And more risks that you wouldn't otherwise take. And that's going to lead to more problems. And maybe it didn't show up on the scoreboard tonight because Thatcher Demko played like a Hall of Fame, Patrick Waub, Martin combination. But... Against regular teams that aren't as bad as Philly, and when you don't have a all-worldly performance from your goalie, you are going to lose games tonight five nothing, six nothing.
0: We talked about it. Like Ian McIntyre said, like if this was against Edmonton, you are losing six to one or like five nothing, six nothing because like the the Flyers aren't a good team. This score should have been much worse than it is. But right. It wasn't, and. Again, like two, we've gotten a lot of texts about this, where it's like, "Hey, you're overreacting. It's one game, three games into a season. Don't worry about it." We have going back to last year and the year before. That's this is like this is everyone's fear of what the Canucks will be this year,
1: and, and that's what I started the whole the, the show with. Is I was just saying, I know it's just one game, and I'm I i do not think we're overreacting. I'm just saying tonight was a microcosm of what we have seen in the last couple of years from this core, and it is frightening to think that that is still something that we as you know media members and you know fans can see on any given night, especially when you're playing. this isn't against a top team. This isn't against a Carolina or a Toronto on an Eastern road trip who's expected to maybe make a, the cop or New Jersey. This was Philadelphia. So when this happens on a night like tonight, you find yourself shaking your head and saying, how could this happen? And I, I want to ask you a question. And I know we didn't do it in the five W's, but it's a what question. Okay. There's three games left on this road trip. This was, if you looked at it, the easiest game of the trip. Maybe Edmonton was the hardest. Mm-hmm. So they're one and one. And if someone told you at the beginning of the season a week ago, they're two and one for the first three games, you'd be like, I'll take it. <laughs> I'd be so pumped. You would. Three games left, Tampa, Florida, Nashville. What do you view as a success? What do you view as nothing to write home about? And if, I'm going to say, if they lost the next three games, then do you hit the panic? Is there a panic mode that gets hit? Like, like Is it still too early? If they lose the next three, yes, mm-hmm. I'm panicking. Okay.
0: In terms of like,
1: because we've seen this
0: story before, I would panic. And that's not to say they can't get their way out of it after. Like, it's not... Uh, insurmountable hill to climb if you're what would it be two and four yeah after the first six games but also like you're we talk about how thin the margins are Mm -hmm. you need to put yourself in a position where by the end of the year you're not trying to find your way back into the playoff race you're trying to well ideally you're just like hey who are we going to play in the first round right but Ideally you're in a spot where you control your own destiny.
1: You can see this team going maybe 1 and 2 or 2 and 1 would be fantastic. Yes. If they went 1 and 2 on the remainder of the games, they come back home with a 3 and 3 record. Are you comfortable with that or are you saying this was a missed opportunity given how we started the season?
0: I think it's a missed opportunity, but also I can convince myself that that's fine. Because before the season, obviously Things change when you win the first two games, and you have your you you put yourself in a position where you could theoretically be over five hundred after the first, first six games. But if you told me before the season, like, "Hey, we talked so much about these first six games; they're going to be three and three after," I'd be like, "Yeah, that's fine. Like, I'll take it because those are those are some difficult games. Edmonton twice. You got to play Tampa. You got to play Florida. I get that. If they are." What I would like to see, okay, so they have four points right now. If they can get eight points out of a possible 12, I will be happy. If they get seven, I'll be content. So like six or seven, I'm content. Eight, I'm happy. So if they have four wins at the end of this or they go three, one, and two, I'm okay with that. Um, That's
1: probably where my part is. Anything over eight, I'm ecstatic. I think one thing that's very important to that is it's not just about the record. It's how the games go down. It's not just about losing tonight. It's not just about, oh, we have one L in the column. It's how they lost. Yeah. If they lost, like,
0: if they lost, like, how they were playing against Edmonton on Saturday, which, again, wasn't an amazing game, Mm -hmm. but... But hey, there was maybe, some
1: fight, and they kind came yeah, back a few times. Maybe
0: you took some, like maybe you took too many penalties, and you just couldn't overcome it. I'd be frustrated, but I'd at least be like, they lost different than how we're used to them losing.
1: And they lost to Edmonton,
0: yeah. Um But yeah, it's it's the way you lose. Because if I could come on here and be like, hey, they got like Carter Hart was just amazing tonight. They got goalied. I'd be fine with that. I think a lot of Canucks fans would be fine with that because that happens to good teams sometimes. We've seen the Canucks do it to good teams. But when you just have a lack of effort in your game and you seem to be resting on your morals, those are the frustrating results where it's like, man, like if you just showed up tonight, that would have been an easy two points. And he didn't. Just do what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Yes. Just meet the baseline of like, hey, be a competent NHL team. And they have been in the first couple of games. This game, they were not. And that's frustrating. Um, but again, I, I've mentioned it on this show tonight. Hopefully, it's a blip on the radar. Hopefully, the first two games, like mainly the first game. But hopefully, there's a there's a middle ground they can find between all these first three games they played that has them performing at a baseline of competency that you carry game in, game
1: out, and just like... I'm just also really excited to see how they rebound against Tampa. For sure. I think that will say a lot character-wise about this team. Everyone was talking about how Edmonton would respond after the 8-1 loss, and yeah, they lost on Saturday, but they came out flying. And yeah, they lost, but the way the Canucks start the game in Tampa, that start you were alluding to will be very indicative of how serious they have taken tonight and what happened tonight. The first 10 minutes of that game are crucial. Very crucial. And just the overall, you know, compete level and work ethic. It'll be very interesting to see what talk it says to this team and and how they respond on Thursday. Definitely.
0: Uh, So Thursday, that game goes at 4 in Tampa, Saturday in Florida, and I believe it's Tuesday in Nashville to wrap up the road trip I will be back with you next Monday for the first edition of this season's Sportsnet tonight. I believe Ben will be uh, with me as well that week. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, hope so. But next show on the station, Halford and Bruff, 6 a.m. Just keep listening until then. No Canucks like. talk, though. <laughs> no Canucks talk until then. Um, 6 a.m., Halford and Bruff, And all the shows on the station tomorrow will be breaking down this result tonight i have been josh elliot wolf he has been ben bassron i'm ending the show on a low note here i'm like how the canucks start a game just fumbling over myself it's been a long day let me start over this has been the canucks post post game show on sportsnet 650 i've been josh elliot wolf he has been been ben bassron Thank you for your text, 650-650, Dunbar-Lumber text line, and your call is 604-280-0650. I'm in my head now. I uh, appreciate everyone listening as well. This has been the Canucks Post-Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650.